This is the word of God. John 12, 1 through 11. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. And as they're collecting the offering, I want to transition into something exciting that we're doing. We're going to be launching a new uh, singles and unmarried, season of unmarried group. And so I want to welcome Avin and Micah up here on stage with me. This is Avin and this is Micah. And so I want to just share with you guys as we're launching this new community group, just hear from them why they're doing what they're doing and why we're launching this group. And so for, for Avin, I would love to know how God cultivated this desire for you to start this season of unmarried and singles community group. Um, so service has always been something that the Lord has blessed me with, the spirit for service. Uh, as many of you know, last year I was living in Texas, and in that I had an opportunity to uh, make a new friend there. She's a single mother of two kids, uh, and in that time, her and I spent a lot of time talking about the needs of uh, non-married people within the church. Uh, at that time, the Lord laid that kind of desire to serve in that way on my heart and has just been cultivating it my whole time in Texas. So uh, coming back here, um, Sound City has a need in that area, and I asked to serve in that capacity. And for Micah, I'd love to know, what is your ultimate hope and desire for this group? Um, Young, you were right. Uh, all I can see is bright lights. So if there are people here, <laughs> I, my desire is that uh, God would use this group to help those of us who are in that season of life to know and believe and, and experience that we have something to contribute to the body of Christ. And there's many folks here that are not plugged in, not part of a, a close community, a biblical community. So what would you guys very quickly say to those that are sitting here saying, man, they have cold feet, they're not ready to jump in. What would you share with them that would allow them to see the importance of biblical community to you guys? Um, well, I mean, biblical community, community group uh, serving in the church has been a huge change in my faith personally. Um, completely changed my understanding and relationship with Christ, uh, living out fellowship with the fellow believers, um, having that support, that community to live out the one another portion of the Bible. 
you will often hear me say that life is a team sport, and uh, that's really evident, obviously, um, how difficult that can be when you're single or, or unmarried. Um, but no matter what season you're in, uh, whether married or, or, or not. But um, I'd like to read something from the uh, community group covenant that, for me, it really sums this up. A great many of these discipleship-oriented instructions come in the form of the one another exhortations found throughout the Bible, which simply cannot be adhered to alone. Rather, growth as Jesus' disciples requires relationships of biblical community with other committed Christians. So for me, whether it's first go into all the world and make disciples, or instructions regarding interactions with those around us, or simply love one another, it's clear to me that life, or that as Christians, we don't skate through life alone. And in fact, God uses us, his people, to show us in real time his character. Sound City, can we pray for them? Lord Jesus, I'm just so blown away and thankful that we have an opportunity to serve you and serve your people. Lord, we know it's a humbling and um, challenging thing for us to take on uh, the burden of leadership and to care and to shepherd and to um, make disciples and to, and to just share the love of Christ. So, Lord, would you watch over them, unite the, the people that will be joining the group in heart and spirit, that they may bear much good fruit and to further your kingdom, Lord Jesus. So protect them, protect their families, and Lord, uh, just provide uh, much grace and peace to them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Um, And as we transition into the sermon portion of our worship today, I'm going to introduce our friend Steve Patton. He's, He's a good friend of ours. He's preached here before as a guest speaker. And so I would love to welcome He's in, He's been involved in a various uh, different successful ministries. And so we love Steve. He's a good friend to us. So I just want to welcome Steve. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be back with you, Sound City. Good to be back with you. Uh, singles, can I encourage you for one second? You are not a second-class citizen. You are not a second-class citizen. Singleness, Bible calls it a gift, be it for a season or for a lifetime. You're not a second-class citizen in the church. You are standing equal, shoulder-to-shoulder with those who want to complain about how much freedom they don't have because they're married with children. (laughs) You stand shoulder-to-shoulder as brothers and sisters. Single, single, married, doesn't matter. You are a brother and sister, and you are a first-class citizen heir to the throne, just like the rest of us who believe. So please don't see yourselves as second-class uh, you, you follow in the footsteps of some giants like John Stott, who lived to the age of 96 as a single man and gave his life as a great gift to the body of Christ. And then, you know, there's those other lightweight single dudes like Paul and Jesus. <laughs> I think they did okay with their lives. So I just want to encourage you in that you're not second class. You are you are valued, welcome members of the body and the faith, and I know that that's a sentiment here uh, at Sound City. So I'm, we're glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be with everybody here today, married or single. Since last time I was with you, we've had our third baby. Yes, yeah, Sayla is four months old now. Four-month sleep regression is a thing that I forgot about. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to coffee. 
I'm glad, again, I'm glad to be back with you all as uh, the text does not include any controversy about uh, eating flesh and drinking blood, because that was what we talked about the last time I was with you. I was glad, like, Aaron invited me, say, you want to preach? I'm like, yeah, nothing as heavy as last time, no. I need, like, I need a softball this time. You gave me something way too, way too tough. Uh, and so he said, yeah, we'll be around Lazarus. I'm like, done, done. I want, I want in on Lazarus. So uh, we're, we're preaching through the uh, book of John. We're in chapter 12. And so John chapter 12 is actually the, the, the section of John's gospel uh, that, that, that kind of closes, closes the chapter, so to speak, on uh, Jesus' public ministry. Uh, John chapter 12 is the last stage in Jesus' public ministry before he's making his way uh, to the cross for our good and for our salvation. And uh, this chapter starts off closing off Jesus' ministry the way it should, with a party. It's a party being thrown uh, back in Lazarus' hometown in Jesus' honor. It's a party going on, and I think that's the way you should, right? Like a guy was raised from the dead. You should throw a party for that. And so they throw the party. They throw the party. So many people are present. Lazarus is present. Martha, as we've seen her before in the past, she's running around serving. And then we see Mary. We see Mary. It's, it's interesting to me that every time we see Mary, she's always at the feet of Jesus. So this is Mary, Lazarus's sister. We see Mary uh, in Martha and Mary's house. In the book of Luke, where she's Martha's running around serving stuff, and Mary's there at the feet of Jesus. And Martha gets jealous, like, don't you see there's so much for us to do? And Jesus said, no, she's chosen the right thing. She's at the feet of Jesus, learning, listening to Jesus. And then the next time we see Jesus, excuse me, the next time we see uh, uh, Mary, we, we see her again at the feet of Jesus. This time we see her... Lazarus is dead, and as the King James Version said, he stinketh. And it says in the book of John, as you guys just went through recently, it says that Mary was again at the feet of Jesus saying, Lord, had you been here, my brother would not have died. But she's at the feet of Jesus. And now here we are uh, at, a, at a party at someone's house in Bethany, their hometown. And the scripture shows us again that we find Mary again at Jesus' feet. But this time she's not listening. This time she's not lamenting. This time, because first time she was listening and learning about who Jesus is. Then the next time, we, we've done this, right? We're listening about who Jesus is and start to believe who Jesus is, and then something bad happens and we encounter him. Like, yeah, you're Lord, but Lord, had you been here? We're at Jesus' feet, but we're lamenting, we're complaining, we're frustrated about a situation in life. But then we see Jesus step in and do something about what happened, and now she's at his feet in worship. And this party is laid out at someone's house, and then here she is at Jesus' feet. Now, she's doing something that someone in her social status just doesn't do, right? It's not uncommon to go to someone's house and go to a party, especially the honored guest of the party. That's what Jesus was. He was the honored guest at the party. It's not uncommon for their feet to be washed. That's not uncommon. 
What's in common is who does it. See, normally there's, there's a house servant who will do the dirty work of washing someone's feet. I mean, they didn't have, they didn't have Nikes or Adidas or, or Clarks or, 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 or uh, you know, the, the, the sandals with the Burks, right? There's no Birkenstocks, right? It's, there's no concrete. You're right, maybe something like a Birkenstock probably back then. Roads weren't paved, right? There was no construction 99% of the time like it is here in Seattle. There's dirt roads. And you recline at the table and the servant will come and wash your dirty feet. Who knows what you've walked through, right? This is an agricultural community. Who knows what you've walked through walking through the streets of Bethany? It's not uncommon for someone to come and wash your feet. There's basins that they bring over to wash your feet, but she does something very different. She, Mary, is at the feet of Jesus, and she takes, uh, it, it reads as a pound of nard. Uh, what she had was uh, about 11 and a half ounces of this perfume made from nard. Now, nard is believed to be something that they have to harvest at the foothills of the Himalayas to make this perfume. As we see a bit later, you know, Judas complains that this nard, this 11 and a half ounces of nard that she has, is about, uh, about a year's worth of pay for a laborer. That's how we break that down. It's like, oh, you know, there's this many denarii. We can boil it down, right? It's, it's a, one denarii is about a day's wage for its minimum wage. A day's laborer, it's minimum wage. So, if you were living in Seattle, and you had 11 and a half ounces of nard making minimum wage, you're paying about $30,000 for this perfume that she has. Breaks down to a little over uh, $2,600 per ounce. Make, it would be the fifth most expensive bottle of perfume in the world right now. And she takes a Seattle equivalent of about 30 grand and she pours it on his feet. Fragrance. The fra- I mean, it's not, she, she doesn't just like, you know, mall snipe him. <laughs> she takes this expensive. on herself and anoints his feet with this expensive perfume on his feet. That's costly. Man, that's expensive. This is more expensive than some Chanel number no. five. I, I take that back. It might fall just a little bit cheaper than, than, than Chanel's most expensive brand. It definitely ain't no Aqua Digio, no Jupe, no Dracar Noir. This is some of the rarest stuff in the world. She pours it on his feet. Why? Because she knows whose feet they are. She knows this is the one who raised her brother 
from the dead. She knows this is the one who controls the power over literally life and death itself. She begins to recognize that the one whose feet she's sitting at is the one who said, let there be light. And it was. She begins to realize she's sitting at the feet of the one who had been prophesied from the beginning that would come and take away the sins of the world. She recognizes she's at the feet of the one who is commander of the universe. But yet this person who is commander of the universe is still loving enough to enter into her family dynamic and raise her brother again from the dead. Death at this point had been undefeated. And Jesus has the power. And again, took her, not just her dead brother, her decomposing brother. I mean, if you remember the scene, you know, Jesus looked at that situation and he cried. He, 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 in his great power, he still had great compassion and sat there and suffered with them and cried as Lazarus was dead. Jesus, knowing he's got the power to get him up from the dead, still sees the situation and weeps with his friend Mary. And then there's his stinking, rotting corpse sitting in a hole. He says, get up. And he does. It's like, I'm sitting at the feet of the one who does that so yeah it's expensive so what but then she takes it a step further as if filling up the house with the smell of this expensive but apparently glorious perfume she takes it a step further she doesn't just pour it on his feet because that you, you would think, like, hey, I don't even know what you've walked through. You might have stepped in some donkey poo or something on your way here. This perfume will absolutely take care of that. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm not just trying to cover up something. I'm not just going to take what I have and spend on something to show my devotion for Jesus. It's not just going to cost me in my pocket It's going to cost me personally. And so she does something super unique for their culture. Now, it's already unique for a good Jewish woman uh, to be out and about and having her hair out and having it let down. Like that is, that's a super rare thing. Like it's a party going on. Like the hair's up in the thing, it's, it's covered. A good Jewish woman, not a dignified Jewish woman, enough a dignified Jewish woman who's got enough to get 11 and a half ounces of nard. She's certainly not going to be out with her hair out. But she lets her hair out. And then takes the lowest part of the human anatomy, the feet, the physically lowest part of the human anatomy. And again, it's interacting with all of the downtrodden parts of their Elements like they just walk through dirt and, and everything else. She takes that and she takes her hair and wipes his feet with her hair. Why? Because she knows whose feet she's sitting at. And she says, It's not just going to cost me in my pocket to worship him. It's going to cost me personally. 
as I worship him. I'm going to do the thing that doesn't make, we don't do that around here. When it comes to worshiping Jesus, there is no, we don't do that around here. Amen. Amen. Oh, we, uh, now come on. We can, let's, 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 let's go all the way there. Yes, Shane, we just go, can we go all the way there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, now, see, I come from an expressive culture. I'm an expressive dude. Like, if you know me, you just know, like, I'm a hand talker. Like, these things are my favorite, right? I hand mic, that, I'm limited with one hand, right? I'm a hand talker. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an expressive person. You go to a sporting event with me, like, I'm the, like, I'm the worst to be around because I'm all in. If you're, if you're just trying to just casually take in the scene socially, don't sit by me. I'm, I'm in the game. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Oh, come on. Like, I'm, like I'm that guy. Like, I, I'm afraid if my daughters play sports and the referees go too far, I'm afraid that I'm going to be that dad. Because <laughs> right? I'm, I'm just, I'm an expressive, I'm an expressive guy. So when I started following Jesus, I started following Jesus in the charismatic church. So, you know, kind of the, the, the expressiveness in the charismatic church, like that hit home for me. I'm like, yeah, let's. Yeah, both hands high. Yes, amen. Yeah, let's go. And then, so, and then I moved to the West Coast, right? <laughs> right, I moved to, I don't know if it's reality or alternate reality. I'm not, I'm not sure. But I moved to the West Coast, and then, like, I come in, and I'm, I'm like, you know, I went to one church, you know, and they're, they're, singing, that, they're singing that one song, right? You know, it, and it has that line, like, and they're dancing before, like we're dancing. I can sing your love forever. That's what song it is, right? Now, granted, they had dated themselves by singing that song, but that's, hey, love, love the saints. Love all the saints, all right? So the line says, we're dancing before, like we're dancing now. And, again, where I, where I, where I got saved, like, I started following Jesus, right? We would at least fake it, like the song says, we're dancing. So, look, around, no one's moving. I'm like, okay, so we're just going to lie to Jesus, like, right here. Songs all about we lift up our hands and everybody's soccer posed. I'm like, huh, okay, this is, this is different. This is different. Okay, I got I to gotta figure this out. And one guy explained to me, he's like, you know, some, some places, you know, they, they celebrate with noise. Uh, you know, we're more of a culture that celebrates with notes. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, all right, maybe. And then somebody came up to me after the service, and I was like, I want to raise my hands, but I'm afraid because nobody else does that here. <laughs> like, no, raise your hand. No, they'll look at me strange. And other people are like, yeah, we kind of don't do that here. Now, if that's you, right, if you are genuinely, uh, like, you are a reserved person, like, you, you keep to yourself, expression is, is mostly in the face, and that's it. Like, if that's you, that's genuinely how you are, then rest in that. But for some of us, that's not us. Right? Right? You go to a Sounders game with the scarf, face painted, you're leading all the, you're leading all the chants, and then you come to church and you sit. Because we don't do that here. Well, why? No, 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 no. Listen. We, we do that here. Yes. Amen. Yes. 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 We do that too. 
We do that too. We shout. We, there, there is no, when it comes to worshiping Jesus, there is no, we don't do that here. That's why they got mad at King David when he, they saw him dancing through the streets. They're like, what is he doing? He's supposed to, be the, supposed to be the king. It was actually his wife that said, one of his wives said it. Like, what is he doing? And what, what was his response? I will be even more undignified when it comes to worshiping. There is no, we don't, we don't do that. No, we, we, yes, when it comes to worshiping Jesus, it might look uncomfortable. It might make somebody a little squeamish. But when we're talking about who we're doing it for, oh, the, 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 the cultural niceties go out the door. Excuse me, can you put your hand down? No, you can scoot over, but no, I'm not putting my hand down. I'm worshiping <laughs> Jesus. I'm worshiping Jesus. Like, I, I, again, in, in, in the kind of faith tradition I got, I got, I got saved in, it, it, was, it was quickly whenever someone would be a little boisterous, their response was always, oh, you don't know what he brought me through. It's like, oh, why are you so loud? Why are you... Why are you dancing? Like, I, like it was like it got it, it got weird. I'm not saying that the stuff didn't get weird. Like people started running and stuff. I'm like, this is weird, but okay. I'm like, well, why? Like, you don't know what he brought me through. And then they start to testify and tell, like, hey, this is this is what Jesus brought me through. Let me let me tell you about the one who got me running, who has me shouting, who has me singing, who has my hands raised, who has me doing some un undignified things. Let me tell you about the one who would make me shout and dance and scream. Yeah, if we were talking about, you know, the Seahawks, sure. Sure, yes, this would be a little bit uncouth. It would be a little, like, no, I need to, no, let me, I need need to be a little bit more reserved, but I'm not talking about Russell Wilson, who is surprisingly short. I didn't know (laughs) he was that short. I'm like, this dude was like right here on me. I'm like, you're you were taller than that. And if it was for Russell Wilson, fine. If it was for the, even, even, if, even if they brought the Sonics back, again, I'd, I'd understand if he said, sure, you can tone it down a little bit. I mean, when they announced, when they announced Kevin Durant at the, at the Warriors game here at Key Arena, man, the place went berserk. Nobody else got that response. Clay Thompson back played at you know Wazoo. You know people were a little excited. Kevin Durant came back. People went nuts because they were like, "Oh, that this is for him." My response is for him. But when we talk about Jesus, oh, there is no there's no undignified response. We can clap, shout, sing, dance, both in our worship as we gather and as we worship with our lives. What do you mean you chose to be single? That's what are you, are you crazy? You don't you don't you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of my friends who identify as LGBTQ and follow Jesus and are saying they're committed to a life of celibacy. You know, like yeah, I got some same sex attraction, but I. But this is Jesus, and I see who he is, so I'm just going to just choose to be celibate for the rest of my life and find good friendships and 
find health there, but when it comes to those kinds of relationships, I'm choosing to be single for the rest of my life because of Jesus. And of course, they encounter, wait, what are you doing? We don't do that here. And then they get to tell them, no, 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 let me tell you about the one. Let me tell you about the one whose feet I sit at. There is no, we don't do that here. We're talking about the one. Now, what's astounding to me with Mary is that she decided it was going to cost her in her pocket and it was going to cost her personally. She celebrated Jesus and what he's done. Now, here's something else I learned about moving when I moved here. What, specifically, when I moved to uh, kind of more fluent uh, areas, I lived in San Jose for a while in the heart of Silicon Valley where interns make 80 grand a year. Right, and then I moved up here to basically, you know, Silicon Valley Part Two. Um, and I lived, especially when I lived on the east side for a year. I, I noticed that there were there, there are two kinds of people in the church. Right, something comes up. There are those people who will, they will write a check quickly. They will Venmo you so fast, <laughs> cash app you with the quickness. They will throw money at a situation, no problem. They love Jesus, and if something comes up, they will write the check. Like, I even heard like you guys were trying to raise like $5,000 for something, and you end up raising ten. Like That's amazing. Like, there are people who are like, yes, I'm all in, yes. Uh, but what I found interesting is that I'm not saying this about you. I'm just saying this to other people that I've met. They will cut the check from a distance. But if you tell them to engage personally, no dice. Oh, that's cool. You cut a check for five grand yourself uh, for the homeless shelter. Cool. We're going down on Saturday. You want to come with us? Nah. Hmm. And then there's the other kind of person who, for whatever reason, have resolved in themselves that they are not going to cut the check. Right? Oh, I'm just a student. Oh, I'm just making it. Oh, I'm living check to check. Oh, I've got this thing coming up. Oh, I'm trying to save for my wedding. Oh, I'm trying to save for my car. Oh, my PMI. Oh, my mortgage isn't paid off yet. Oh, I've got all, oh, got all the reasons why they, they won't cut the check. But if you ask them to be there, oh, they're there. They are there. They are present. And not just for the Instagram picture either. Like, they are there. Like, they are genuinely there. They turn their phones off. They are, they are there. They're the first ones to sign up for kids' ministry. They're showing up to go do the cleanup over at the, uh, over at the home that's rescuing women out of sex, sex trafficking. Right there. They are there. They show up for every opportunity that they have to serve. They are incredible. They, are, they will wipe Jesus' feet with their hair. Well, they're not going to spend a penny for that nard. But what Mary's life reminds us of is we look at Jesus. Jesus is so good and so grand. What he calls us to is both. What he calls us to is both. Not just call us to it, just who he is. It just radiates in a way that compels us and draws us to a life genuinely that says the proper response to the one whose feet we sit at both. I'll give from my pocket and personally. I'll pour out and wipe with my hair. Be 
because of who the guest of honor is, because of the one whose feet we sit at, because of who he is and what he's done, the things that we've seen him do. That's why. That's why. But then we, 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 we get another response here. It's very interesting. So we've got kind of three responses to Jesus being present at this party and because of what he's done. We get this other response, right? Judas is there. Judas has never really played out to be a good guy here in any, any time in the scripture. It's always like, and Judas, the one who would betray him. You know, Jesus, Jesus would even talk and be like, yes, and all of this good things, and even you will do it, and one of you is a devil. Like, <laughs> and so here's Judas. I think I, I, when I was preparing, I, I, I ended up scratching it, but we could spend a lot of time kind of pointing out that Judas, the thief, this is the one Jesus put in charge of handling the money. Maybe our relationship with money should be a little bit more loose. Or maybe sometimes Jesus would trust us with a thing knowing we're going to blow it too. Right? So, so many places to go, but this is the guy who's handling the money. And he looks and he goes, we could have taken all that money and given it to the poor. But what's happening is we read in the scriptures, it says, no, 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 Judas was a thief. He wasn't thinking about giving this to the poor. He wasn't thinking about giving this to the poor. He's thinking about skimming some off of the top. He sees this extravagant worship and starts to explain all the reasons why it don't take all that. It don't take all that. Look, we could have did so much good with that. Like, no, he was thinking about himself. He was thinking about himself. Like, man, it's that's a year's worth of salary, man. I could skim like a week worth of salary off of that. And nobody would notice a thing. He responds selfishly. You ever seen someone respond selfishly to the way you responded to Jesus? Because I'm not saying you do that. You clearly don't do that. I'm saying someone you know. The way that you respond to Jesus in this extravagance and they, their response is, oh, I don't... Don't take all of that. What? You give how much to your what? 10% of your money? What are you? Or, you know, maybe even more because God's grace is so amazing. You've been compelled by grace and you give even more than 10% of your money. The Muslims don't even only ask for 2.5%. You don't take all of that. Right? Oh, you commit so much time to go into that community group every week. You go on Sunday already. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't take all that. It doesn't take all of that. The way you live, that lifestyle, what? It doesn't. No. Come on. You can have three more drinks. Come on, it doesn't take all of that. Moderation. Come on. This is Seattle. Get drunk. It doesn't take all of that, especially them who want you to like, they want you to have another drink and another drink. And so you can like buy the drinks. It's selfish. The Judas is always looking around and trying to find what it doesn't take because all they want to do is take. As you respond to Jesus. Now, let me be, I, I just want to be clear on something real quick. We don't respond to Jesus for others. 
We respond to Jesus for Jesus. We look at Jesus, we see he's good, and we respond. But as we do so, people take notice. The air is filled with the smell of the perfume. People are taking notice. Your extravagance and how you give personally and even from the pocket, like it, people see it. And some will have the response, like Judas. They don't take all of that. But then there's others who will respond and begin to follow Jesus. And that's what was happening. Some of those people were at the party. Some of those people were at the party and they started following Jesus. Like they're seeing Jesus as we drop down in the last couple of verses in the text. And we see that the Sanhedrin, they're the, the, the Jewish leaders, they're, they're present and they're, they're mad because people are seeing Judas. Interesting. Follow me here. Excuse me. They're seeing Lazarus being raised from the dead. And seeing Lazarus being raised from the dead, people are following Jesus. And the Sanhedrin, the, the, the top leaders of the Sanhedrin are like, nah, this can't be. And so scripture says that they plotted a plan to not just kill Jesus, but they had to kill Lazarus. Lazarus has to die. Because the presence of Lazarus is pointing people back to Jesus. He's a living testimony, a living example of the goodness and the trueness and the power of who Jesus is. Now, why? First of all, the leaders of the Sanhedrin at that time was a group of people. So you had two groups of people, right? You had the Pharisees who were the, the, the chief scribes, right? They were, they were known for like writing, writing down every little thing and adding different rules for people to follow even more, right? There, so there was the Pharisees, but there's also this other group of people that gets talked about a little bit in scripture. They're called the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees in this particular, this particular group, the Sadducees were like the top leaders. Now, the Sadducees had a specifically different theology from the Pharisees. The Sadducees did not believe that the resurrection could ever happen. They didn't believe resurrection is a thing. God doesn't do that. They were kind of the first cessationists, kind of, right? God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that kind of miracle. They don't believe it could be a thing. But they have an existential problem right in front of them. There's a resurrected dude. Not in theory, but literally sitting at the table across from them is a dude who resurrected. And then on the other side of the table is a dude who has been hinting at that he would resurrect as well. God doesn't do that is a problem for them. It's a blessing for everyone else because they look at it and say, man, God doesn't, that, that just doesn't happen, but look. So many of us, we're surrounded by, some of us ourselves, we are that, that just doesn't happen story. Some of us are surrounded by the, that just doesn't happen story, even as we sit in this room right now. You're the, that just doesn't happen story. 
people from there, people with that background, people who've done that, they just don't start following Jesus. That, that just doesn't happen. Now, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I was, I was visiting in um, this great buzz, buzz, busting, just buzzing metropolis of Paragold, Arkansas. It's not a bus. It's not a. It's not a buzzing metropolis. It's not. They grow soybeans. That's their claim to fame. They grow soybeans in Paragold, Arkansas. Uh, yeah, and that's it. That's it. So, it's a sleeper town for the uh, the small city of Jonesboro, where Arkansas State is. Right. So I'm in Paragold, Arkansas, and uh, this guy. I'm at a gathering at a house, and uh, this guy comes up to me. I don't know him, never met him. He comes up to me, shakes my hand, gives me a hug, right? It's a bunch of, you know, it's a bunch of believers, a bunch of church folk. Comes up to me, shakes my hand, and we just kind of engage in this conversation. It seemed like he kind of went out of his way to just kind of have this conversation with me. So we're, we're, we're just talking. I'm like, oh, cool, nice guy. I like this guy. And we're, we're just talking. And so uh, my friend who invited me, uh, he said, see, you probably don't know who that is. I'm like, I, I mean, I just met him. It's like, so three years ago, this guy was in prison, and he was the leader of the largest Aryan prison gang in America. I'm like, okay. So three years ago, this guy wanted me, a black man, dead. Purely off principle that I'm black. Some of his tattoos in his head you couldn't see anymore because he grew his hair out to cover those up. But then he got wrecked by the one whose feet that we get to sit at. He got wrecked by this Jesus and it changed his heart, changed his life. And now here we are just casually having conversation. And every time I talk to my friend in, in Arkansas, he's like, oh, such and such, ask about you. I'm like, man, that doesn't happen. But God, people like that don't start following Jesus and especially have a genuine change of heart. Oh, but, but God, but God, that just doesn't happen. But God, I remember 10 years, it's been 10 years ago, almost to the day, uh, 10 years ago, my mother-in-law, while we were, uh, she was opening prayer at, at the church that, that, uh, that I was on staff at, uh, she was opening pre-service prayer. And right as she said amen, she collapsed right on stage. Uh, some people were like, oh, she's slain in the spirit. I'm like, no, nah, don't blame that on Jesus. Call 911. <laughs> well, come to find out, she had just had a grade five brain aneurysm. Prognosis, grave. And the hospital that we were right next to, that we shared a parking lot with, didn't have a neuro unit. So they had to transfer her from Newport, Rhode Island, up to uh, Providence, Rhode Island, about, about a 45-minute drive. They didn't think she was going to survive the ambulance ride. But God, again, prognosis, grave. If she lives the next few hours, if she lives the next few days, she's a vegetable. No one comes back from this. The doctors are coming out, and we're like, hey, tell us everything. Hide nothing. And they said, why? Most people don't want to know everything. Like, no, tell us everything. Tell us what you're doing. Tell us what you're looking for. Like, why? So we know how to pray. And the doctor went, listen, I understand. But what you need to understand is her situation is grave, and you need to prepare. And I cut her off. "Ah, ah, ah." 
You do what you do. We'll do what we do. Well, here we are 10 years later, and we just celebrated uh, 10 years of uh, not only my mother-in-law living, uh, not only my mother-in-law not being a vegetable. Uh, No one had ever gotten up to walk, talk, drive, dance, and get around. No one in recorded medical history at that point had ever done that. But, but, but Mary Robinson did. Because God. When we left, we were leaving. They were, we checked out of the hospital and she was going down to where she's going to be doing rehab. And then the nurse, the doctor who told us, like, you know, hey, this doesn't happen, grabbed my wife by her arm, looked her in the eye with tears in her eyes and said, hey, I don't even believe, but your mom is where she is because of God. And I don't say that. And so now when they encourage each other at the hospital, because they still can't concede that God did this, they just say, but Mary Robinson, but remember Mary Robinson, that's their, that's their shot at hope. She's their Lazarus. But even this atheistic doctor had to put some faith in something beyond her and start to consider Jesus. That doesn't happen. Oh, but God. But God. And because of what God did, because of what Jesus did, people came to faith in him, just his mere presence. He didn't raise their their family members back from the the dead. But he did it to Lazarus, so he's got to be the one. And you notice in this whole account, you hear from from Mary, you hear from Judas, you hear from the Sadducees who, who want... Who want Lazarus dead because people are following Jesus because of what happened. You notice you don't hear from Lazarus? We don't hear Lazarus' perspective. A miracle happened for Lazarus. We don't hear his perspective at this party. You want to know why? Well, I'm convinced why. Because when God does what he does, he doesn't just do it. So that we can have our personal stories and have a personal experience. When he shows off who he is, that's all that's needed. He shows off who he is in someone around you. It's not to point to you. It's to point to him. It's not to show, oh, look what humanity is capable. Humanity can come back even from these situations. No, 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 no. He's showing you like, look, I can do this. Put your faith in me. You don't know what to believe? Look at Lazarus. Oh, but what about me? What about you? Look at Lazarus and I'm going to show you everything else you need to know. You believe what I did in Lazarus, then you believe me. You get me. You don't just get raised from the dead. You get raised to life from the true death that you experience in our souls. Because without Jesus, scripture is very clear. In our sin, we are dead. We aren't bad. We aren't horrible. We're not just good enough. In sin, we are dead. But God, see, in Christ, we are raised to life in him as he raises us up out of our sin. And Jesus himself goes to the cross and dies for our sin only a short week after this party. And he himself resurrects. 
He himself resurrects, but not temporarily like Lazarus did, but eternally for our own good that we may see him and know him and follow him and put our faith in him and trust in him so that we ourselves, while we may not have our own personal flesh rotting and dying, the stench of our soul is again resurrected and begins to walk in the newness of life and ultimately walk in the newness of life with him for eternity. That's what Jesus accomplishes through his death, burial, and his own resurrection. And so we get to lay our own nard at his feet and wipe our own hair on his feet as we worship him and honor him for who he is and what he's done because he's not just going to raise our physical bodies because he will do that too one day when he comes to return. But I'm not going to get way too, as the uh, theologians like to call, eschatological. I'm not going to go there. But what I will say is that our grand hope that we have is in him. Like the people who were watching around at this party, at the people that the Sadducees were getting upset at, we are them. We saw what happens when one resurrects. But the one who resurrects is not just us. It's not just our friend. It's Jesus himself. And then he himself causes us to resurrect and rise with him to newness of life. That's what he offers us. That's what he invites us to as he says, hey, come follow me. They saw what Lazarus, they saw what happened to Lazarus and they came to follow him. We see what happened at Nazareth. And he says, come follow me. So let us worship him. Let us honor him both in our voices and with our lives. And let us follow him. Can we pray? Can we pray? Let's stand. Let's stand as we pray and we'll have an opportunity to worship him. Today I went, I went over. Lord, Lord, you're good. And you do good. I'm glad that you raised this dead soul to life. And the other dead souls that you raised to life in this room. We're grateful. And for those who are seeking to put their faith in you, may they find that in you, you are the one who can do the things that can't be done. They say it can't be done, but... With you, all things are possible. May our lives reflect that all things are possible in you. May we come to know the soul forgiving of you, that our sins would be forgiven, that we would be restored to life in you. And may our lives constantly reflect and be reminded of the things that you have done in us to us, for us, and around us. And that we will live lives of worship as a result. In Jesus' name, amen.